Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. Let's begin this morning with a question. If someone asked you, what is the purpose of the Christian life, what would you say? To me, this, this question is, is coming from a person who wants to know what outcomes or what are the outcomes that are meant to take place in the lives of someone who follows Jesus. So you say you're a Christian. So what? What does that mean? How does that change the way you live? What are the results of your faith that are meant to be produced? We're coming to a critical section here in John's Gospel this morning that addresses this question and many more. I think that all of, of Scripture is, is crucially important, very important, but if someone were to press me, just me personally, asking, Pastor Jeff, what has been the most formative or foundational passage in the Bible for your life as a Christian, I might say it's the passage that we're going to begin to study today. If we think back here just to the last two or three chapters and we understand the situation Jesus and his disciples are in right now, it's that Jesus is hours away from being betrayed into the hands of those who will see to it that Jesus dies. His disciples have been shaken by the news that Jesus is leaving them and they cannot come with him. So yes, Jesus encourages them, but then he also tells them that loving him means obeying his commands. And in John 14, he went into great deal or great detail about the gift of the Holy Spirit that his followers will receive as they begin to live this empowered life. So during his public ministry, if we think about Jesus, especially from other Gospels, because it doesn't show up a whole lot in John, during his public ministry, Jesus often used stories called parables to teach people about spiritual truths. Today in John 15, Jesus doesn't use a parable necessarily, but more of an illustration or an analogy, and it's of a plant and the one that's caring for the plant. Honestly, I think that what Jesus says in the two verses, that's it, two verses that we're going to look at this morning, it should do one of three things for every single person who's here or listening online. It should either affirm everything that you know about what it means to live as a Christian, or it should challenge you to make a correction or a recommitment to a biblical view of life as a Christian, or it will dramatically alter your notions about what life with Jesus is meant to look like and force you to choose if you're willing to change or not. The one thing I believe that, that all of us have a responsibility to make sure doesn't happen this morning is that we let nothing happen to us. Friends, Jesus loves you. And he desperately wants you to know how to get the most out of your relationship, your life with him. So understanding this passage and allowing it to work in your heart is key to experiencing the fullest and most gratifying life with Jesus possible. So with all that said, let me pray and then we're going to get into John 15. Lord, this, this week as I was studying, I just felt a tremendous urgency in my heart that we don't come and just glaze over anything at all, that we don't miss anything at all that you want to say to us this morning. 
We're just looking at two verses, but they are so packed with the truth of the reality that we're supposed to experience with you. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will move in power today. I pray that we will respond eagerly and that we will not just brush things off or, or water things down or justify the life that we're already living, but we will say, oh, is this for me? Is there a change that I need to make? Is there something greater that you, Holy Spirit, are calling me to? I pray that we would be willing to wrestle today and that faith will take on a practicality in our lives that has not been realized before. Jesus, would you enter in and would you help every single one of us to enter in as well? Amen. All right. So starting here, John 15, verse 1. Jesus says, after all this Holy Spirit teaching from last week, he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. So Jesus begins here by describing himself and his father in terms that any Israelite could understand. Vineyards were a common sight in Israel, and they still are. But since Jesus is speaking to his closest followers, the 11 disciples, this word picture has a special meaning for anyone who has claimed that they have given their life to following Jesus. Jesus calls himself the true grapevine. He is the true source, the only source of spiritual life. And what is the purpose of a grapevine, friends? To produce grapes. Yes, just making sure you're tracking with me. These, these truths that Jesus wants us to understand, they're not a trick. So if we understand the, the principles or the, the basic lessons in the analogy, all of a sudden it's going to make much more sense to us. A grapevine is supposed to produce grapes. You are correct. No one would ever look at a grapevine and say that it exists to produce carrots. Or pineapples, which would be amazing to see, but that's not the purpose of a grapevine. Grapevines produce grapes, that's it. So let's take a look at the logic of this and and translate it now to Jesus. What is the purpose of Jesus here in our world? He's here to produce people who will not only believe in him with their words, but they will live a life fully devoted to the kingdom that Jesus himself was devoted to. Jesus was 100% committed to his father. Jesus loved the father and followed the father's instructions and lived to help everyone he met during his life on earth do the exact same thing. So like a grapevine naturally produces grapes, Jesus is naturally working to produce disciples, people who wholeheartedly love and follow the ways Of the kingdom of heaven. So here in verse 1, Jesus is telling us about who he is and his greatest purpose or function. Knowing Jesus' purpose also begins to give us an idea of what is meant to happen in our lives because of our connection to him. But Jesus talks also about his father, right? He calls his father the gardener. So, what is the purpose of a gardener? It's to help the plants in their garden. Be as fruitful and productive as possible. So just like a gardener works to help their plants be as fruitful as possible, as productive, yielding as much fruit or vegetables or whatever is on that plant, God is working to make sure that everyone who claims to have a connection to his son Jesus is producing what he desires for them to produce. 
Since God the Father is the gardener, what he wants to see grow off of Jesus, his son, is what he will allow to grow. What he does not want to see grow off of his son Jesus will not be tolerated in his garden. So Jesus further describes the father's role as a gardener in verse 2. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit. So I grew up in in Winkler, Manitoba, and we actually had a grapevine that grew in our backyard. Has anyone ever seen a grapevine growing in North Dakota? There's a few of us, right? But just in case you haven't seen it, because they're not that common, uh, a grapevine looks kind of like this. So if you haven't seen a grapevine, just picture a tiny tree. Really, that's the easiest way to translate this whole thing. Off of the main grapevine, you can see this, this trunk growing up. This is something, it's not called a trunk on that, but that's what we would call it. There's many branches that grow along a, a trellis or, a, or a, a vine trainer that allows these branches to stay off the ground and not fall down. So all these branches, they grow off of the main stem or the main trunk. In a vineyard where tons of grapes grow, just like this picture here, each branch, each and every branch is evaluated by the gardener or the vineyard keeper or the vine dresser, depending on what terminology you want. It's evaluated for its productive qualities. Every single branch will not only be evaluated by the gardener, but every single branch can expect to feel the touch of the gardener's pruning shears as he works to make this grapevine as productive as possible. So in verse 1, when Jesus says that he is the true grapevine, he's telling us that he is the spiritual source for our lives as Christians. We get spiritual life from him. We grow through our connection to him, just like branches grow because of their connection to the main grapevine. But Jesus is also teaching us here that the Father's eye is on every single one of us, Because we claim to be connected to Jesus. The father, like a gardener, is looking at us. He's examining us for how productive our lives are. Are we producing the same things that Jesus is producing? The father looks at our heart, our desires, our motives, our actions, our words. He's examining our lives to make sure that what we are producing is what he wants in his kingdom. And once we understand that the Father is looking at us with a discerning eye, like a gardener looks at their garden, questions begin to arise. What is the Father looking for in me? We've talked about it a little bit already, but what is going to make him pleased when he looks at my life? Well, verse 2 clearly tells us that the Father's main concern is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Branches that don't produce fruit are cut off. Branches that do produce fruit are pruned so that they will be even more fruitful. So here's, here's the question. Okay, if the Father's looking for fruitfulness in you and in me, what does fruitfulness or a productive Christian life in God's kingdom look like? That's a very important question for us today. There are many passages that answer this question for us. So let's look at a few this morning. The first one is from Matthew 13 verse 8. Which, which says, Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. 
So this is the, from the parable of the sower and the seeds that we can find in the other Gospels. From this verse, we learn that fruitfulness in God's eyes is seen as the multiplication of Jesus' followers. Where someone doesn't just say, I received Jesus, great, that's good for me. But they then reproduce what Jesus has brought into them by sharing this with others. A fruitful Christian produces other fruitful Christians. Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So in the Father's eyes, fruitfulness is the character traits of Jesus. That's what all of these things are, which are produced in us but when the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. That's why these two passages are back to back. Holy Spirit emphasis in John 14. Vine and branches emphasis in John 15. A fruitful Christian shares the likeness of heart, mind, and attitude that Jesus demonstrated so consistently here on earth. Romans 7 verse 4. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of Good deeds for God. So good deeds coming from our connection to Jesus are considered fruitful living. A fruitful Christian lends themselves to a life of action. Action that is motivated by their shared character with Jesus. We don't just sit in our rooms at home and say, Oh, I have the joy of Jesus in my heart. That's not for you. That's for me. That doesn't make any sense. When Christ reproduces himself in you, then it should result in you and me running out and performing good deeds that mimic what Christ did for us so that we can share him with someone else. A fruitful Christian, just they're eager to share. They can't help it. They love to do the work, the service, and the deeds that matter to God and reveal him to other people. Philippians 1 verse 11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Righteous character that brings glory to God is what the father sees as fruitful. Fruitful Christians are convicted to live righteous life, a righteous life because their greatest concern is that the God that they claim to love and serve would get glory when other people look at their life. This isn't a conclusive list of every single kind of fruit or results of our faith in Jesus that the Father is looking for, but it still is a solid representation of the core things that should be taking place in anyone who claims that they have faith in Jesus. The Father looks at us who are connected to His Son, and He's asking, do they have my Son's character? Is their life marked by righteousness, good deeds that glorify me, love, Joy, peace, etc. Is there multiplication taking place? More people coming to trust in my son because of the way they live their life. And then once the father asks these kinds of questions, after he examines our lives, he takes action in our lives too. To every single branch on the grapevine, to every single Christian who claims to be connected to Jesus. Verse 2 said that the Father will either get to work in our lives by cutting off or by pruning. So let's ask some questions here. If people are connected to Jesus, 
And people are the branches that the father is examining. Really, the question is, who does the father cut off from his son? Now, this might be an alarming question to ask. But Jesus said that the father does this. So obviously, it's, it's pretty important for us to understand exactly what he means here. Well, the father cuts off every person or every branch that bears no fruit. That is, everyone whose life does not produce the spiritual results that honor God. Those people are cut off from Jesus by the Father. Matt, we just read several verses that talked about productivity or fruitfulness in God's kingdom. When the the Father sees someone who claims to be a believer in his Son, but their life looks nothing like Jesus' life, the Father recognizes that this is an unproductive, an unfruitful person. As a result, he says, man... I really want you in my kingdom, but not if you're going to live a life like this. And he removes them. Now I can tell, probably because I I was asking myself the same question, but Jeff, are you sure you're reading this right? This reaction seems so harsh. Isn't Jesus just loving and cuddly and warm and fuzzy all the time? Remember last week, friends? Jesus taught us that the life that we are meant to live is possible because he's sending the Holy Spirit to live in us. And if you love me, you will what? Say it with confidence. Right. We will obey or keep his commandments. If you love me, if you really love me, if the love you claim to have for me is genuine, this is how it will result. And someone who obeys the commands of God, their life produces fruit. That's the natural reaction of how these things go. And it's possible because Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. The Holy Spirit counsels us, guides us, leads us into truth, teaches us and reminds us of everything that we need to know about Jesus and the life that we should be living for God's glory. It takes a special kind of stubbornness on our part to resist the promptings and the counsel of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises, promises to you and me. The Holy Spirit, He's the one who's leading us into a fruitful life. If there is no fruit, it's not the Holy Spirit's fault. He's been prompting us, guiding us, counseling us. If there's no fruit, that's on me. Not as a pastor, but me, because I'm not taking care of that in my life, and it's on each of us. If we don't listen and yield to the promptings that the Holy Spirit gives. Man, read the entire New Testament after Jesus ascends to heaven. So every book from Acts to Revelation, every single book talks about how as believers in Jesus, we can only live a life that is good for us and glorifying to God if we live by the Spirit of God. And again, the Spirit of God prompts us to do everything that is glorifying to Him. When we live by the Spirit of God in agreement and submission to Christ's Holy Spirit, our lives will resemble Jesus' life. And fruit will be produced. When we live how we've always lived before we claimed to have faith in Jesus, our lives will not resemble Jesus' life, but it'll look the same way as it always did. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16 to 18 says, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil, that's the veil of spiritual blindness, is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that's freedom to live by the Spirit. 
So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. I mean, this this transition of lifestyle and productivity, it's crystal clear. This isn't Jeff getting all harsh and crazy today and, and giving us a message that's like a tough pill to swallow. No, we're just actually understanding that the Christian life is meant to lead to a Christian life. It's not just supposed to be a a faith agreement that we say, Jesus, when I was a kid, I believed in you, and that's good enough. Yes, faith is what leads us to Christ, but it's supposed to be evidenced by our actions producing fruit that brings glory to our King. That's it, and that's all. People will look at us, but they will see the heart and the character of God in our lives if we are allowing the Holy Spirit to change us so that in faith and in deed, we are more like Him. Not only will people see the heart and the character, but the Father who is the gardener, He will see it too. Galatians 5.25 says, God's Spirit has given us life, so we should follow the Spirit. Think about this, okay? This is an interesting verse. If we didn't have a choice about whether or not to listen to and obey the Holy Spirit in our lives... Paul wouldn't have instructed the Galatians to follow the Spirit. It would have happened automatically. I believe in Jesus. Everything is fine. It's now autopilot until I die. If if this all happened automatically, there was no choice for us to make. But since he's telling them that they should follow the Spirit, it's clear that we have to choose to follow the Spirit of God as well. We have to choose if we are going to be fruitful and productive in our lives as Christians. So branches that are connected to the vine, Christians who are connected to Jesus, without any worry of being cut off, are those who live by, follow, and are submitted to, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Some people say, Jeff, you know, I've gone to church my whole life. I believe that Jesus is real. That's good enough. I mean, isn't it all the whole, all this Holy Spirit stuff? That's just for the fanatical, really wild and crazy Christians. I don't think that's necessary for me. James 2 verse 19 says, You say that you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Man, I'm not willing to put any confidence in a faith that is comparable to the faith of the demons. And neither should you. Why would we just fall back on, oh, I made a a decision when I was four years old. I I chose to believe that Jesus is real when I went to Bible camp. My mom knelt with me. My dad knelt with me at the bed and they prayed and I received Jesus. And that's where I have my fullest confidence in my faith. I'm saying that that's a good thing. But where I have fullest confidence is where every day I look at how my life has changed. And everything that I do, it now it goes back to Christ. And he says, Jeff, I've asked you to live a productive life for me. So are you going to do that? And if I can look back and say in the last 24 hours, in the last week, in the last month, in the last decade, I can see how my thoughts have been changed so that my actions have been renewed and I have been working for fruitfulness, that's where my greatest confidence comes from. And I want you to have that same confidence too. The only way we bear fruit is by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. So we need to have more than just a faith where we say, I made a decision. 
We should point to the way that the Holy Spirit's working in us. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Just look at Judas Iscariot here, okay? He followed Jesus around for three-ish years. He was one of the 12, the 12 disciples. He was even sent out with the 12 to preach about the kingdom and that it is drawn near. He was given authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. You can read about that in Matthew 10, verse 1 to 8. But Jesus knew who Judas really was. Listen to John six seventy. Then Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one is a devil. The word devil here means someone who is prompted by and governed under Satan. They oppose the plans of God and his son, Jesus. So Judas, although he spent time closely associated with Jesus, ultimately he did not make his heart a home for the Holy Spirit, but rather he was more open to the prince of darkness. Therefore, God the Father acted as a good gardener, and he cut Judas off. So we understand who the Father cuts off, but why? Why does the Father cut off? If he's gracious and loving, couldn't he just give them a back door into heaven and just kind of give them a lesser experience than the rest of us? Like, couldn't he do something like that? In answering this question, we need to remember the criteria for who God cuts off from Jesus. It's people who do not produce spiritual fruit. On a plant, in your garden or in your yard, a fruitless branch, it might be diseased and it may eventually affect other branches around it. Fruitless branches, they steal nutrients away from the branches that are bearing fruit and they hinder them from being as fruitful as they can be. Now God won't let that happen in his kingdom. God protects his church from people who are going to prevent fruitfulness from taking place. If there's a person who claims to be a Christian, but they are sowing seeds of division in a church, they have ongoing and unrepented sinfulness in their lives that is beginning to affect other people. If they aren't willing to live according to the Bible, they're full of hatred, apathy, and they even prevent God's good plans from taking place amongst God's people. I believe that God gives that person many gracious chances to repent and to come to a real saving faith and to change their ways. But if they don't, God will spare the rest of his people whose hearts are for him by cutting that person's negative influence off. He will remove them from the vine. God is building a kingdom in the hearts of people. Jesus says in Luke 11, verse 23, if you are not on my side, you are against me. If you don't gather in the crop with me, you scatter it. So if Jesus is working to gather in the crop and someone is doing the exact opposite work of him, that person is clearly hindering the kingdom of God from advancing in the lives of other people. God is a good God and he will not allow his kingdom to be taken down. So the lines are pretty clear. Either a person is with Jesus, participating in the fruitful life that followers of Jesus are meant to, or they are not with Jesus. There is no middle ground. 
Now we're seeing this picture of the grapevine and how the father as a gardener interacts with the grapevine. We're seeing this whole thing taking shape. So Jesus is the main stem. We are the branches of, the, of this grapevine. We grow off of him. The father is the gardener. He removes people from his garden who are not living in harmony with his Holy Spirit. He does this to protect the integrity and the fruitfulness of the whole plant, which is God's family of believers. We've talked about who God the Father cuts off, but John 15, 2 also said that the Father prunes. So what does this mean? We're cutting off is a complete removal of a branch from the vine or a person from Jesus. Cutting back or pruning is like cleansing. It's a removal of anything in that branch that may hinder it from producing more fruit. So Karen and I, we love gardening. One of the first things we did when we moved here to Kandu was we built a raised garden box and we filled it with dirt from Jeff Tubner's field. Thanks again for that dirt, Jeff. And it's amazing how we just see things grow in there and it's fun to get a close-up look at all these things taking shape. Now, gardens take maintenance. They take care. And that's, I leave that to Karen because she is a lot smarter at that than I am. Uh, she understands the need for pruning a plant and how to cut off certain branches, but not other ones. She also understands the technique for doing it effectively. So on our tomato plants this year, for example, Karen will see a branch. And at the end of this branch, there's tomatoes that are forming on it. It's like, all right, look at all this fruit that's being formed here. Now we want that branch to be even more fruitful. So Karen's going to analyze this thing. Every day she's going to go out and see, is there anything sprouting off of this branch that might be competing with those tomatoes And if there is, if it's something else that's trying to grow a separate branch, she's just going to come in. She's going to cut that little section of the branch back. She's going to prune it away so that the tomatoes that are growing on there can be maximum fruitful. And this is the way that the Father does things in our life. This is how God looks at you and me. When he sees something in our life that resembles his son Jesus, this brings great honor to him. He's delighted that you and I are fruitful for him. But because we are fruitful, he gives us special care to enable us to be even more fruitful. If something pops up in our lives that doesn't contribute to us loving, obeying, serving, or following Jesus, the Father begins to work in us to prune those unproductive parts away from us. One thing that I think God is continually pruning in my life is impatience. I can recognize, looking back in my teenage years, all the way until today, honestly, that there are times where I struggle with being impatient. And unfortunately, impatience is one of those things that's most often reflected in the way that I deal with people. Sometimes it's because I'm excited or eager to get going on something that I feel is great, but someone is holding me back, and I get impatient with that person. Other times... People can be late or absent-minded or apathetic about something that I think is really important. And it frustrates me that they don't think the same way I do and I get impatient with them. Over the years, I have felt God time and time again pruning this attitude away from me. It keeps trying to grow back, but the Father is so faithful to me like a good gardener that he keeps pruning it away. He hasn't stopped working on that part of who I am. And this pruning that God works in my life kind of feels like this. It's like God reminding me of how patient he has been with me. That's God pruning me in my life. 
And he tells me that he's been patient with me because that reminds me that I need to be patient with others if I am going to be like him. God reminds me of the grace that he's shown me. And he reminds me that, oh, Jeff, it's your responsibility to be like Jesus, who was gracious to others. He speaks to me about my testimony and how my impatience will tarnish my testimony. He's helped me by reminding me often of a verse uh, from Colossians 3.13, which says, Make allowances for each other's faults. Each time that I encounter someone who tests my patience, it's really God who is testing me and pruning me. He's allowing a moment of testing to come into my life for a purpose. Will I choose to be faithful in that moment and live like Jesus did, responding with his love and character? Or will I need the Father to reach in and trim that part away from me again because I have not yielded to what he desires and instead I've become impatient or annoyed yet again? The pruning that the Father does in us to remove unfruitfulness, it can feel unpleasant. It feels like a test or a trial or a challenge. But God allows those difficult moments like this to come into our lives to see if we will handle it in a way that is honoring to Him. If we do, we move on to greater fruitfulness, which is the exciting venture that we as Christians have here on earth. But if we don't handle this test well, In a God-honoring way, we don't move on to greater fruitfulness. And we will face that test again and again and again until we learn how to handle it in the way that God desires us to. Hebrews 12 verse 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. This is how the Father works in us. When God is cutting back and pruning the unfruitful areas in our lives, it can feel like discipline. It can feel unpleasant. It might make us squirm and wince because going through God-appointed tests, trials, and challenges isn't usually something that we say, Oh God, pick me. I would love something difficult right now. But as God is training us, he's removing what is hanging on from our old way of life, teaching us over and over again that we must live by the Spirit. We must yield to what he wants to do in our lives in all things. So we know what pruning means and how the Father does it, but why does the Father work to prune us? The answer, of course, is in our verse. The Father prunes or cuts back branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit. Once again, the Father is all about fruitfulness, much fruitfulness. He's not content with just a little crop. It's like, yeah, it was a pretty average year or a pretty average harvest with my people. No, he wants maximum fruitfulness. That's what his heart yearns for. He's eager to see his kingdom expand through the Holy Spirit, working through your life and into the lives of other people. If there's a help, improvement, or change that he can make in us, so that his kingdom will grow and that we will be more fruitful, more effective in giving him glory and revealing him to others. Of course, he's going to do that. God is caring for and, and disciplining those in his church who are eager to obediently follow his commands and walk in agreement with the Holy Spirit that he has placed inside of them. He works in these people all the time. And I think it's just such a marvelous thing. Like we, we look sometimes at this passage and we think it might be harsh. It's like, oh Lord, pruning, cutting people off. 
I'm not really excited about that. But if we step back and understand like he's doing this for your benefit, that you may experience a greater life in the Holy Spirit, like why would we ever resist what he wants to do? Wouldn't you agree? I think there's just one question that I think we need to ask here at the end. We do this sometimes where we pause and we're quiet and we give just... We give the Lord a chance, the Holy Spirit, a chance to just speak to us about something in our lives that we need clarity on. So I'd invite you to close your eyes and just focus in on on Jesus for a moment here. And here's the question that we're going to ask. Father, knowing that you desire fruitfulness, is there something in me that you want to prune so that I can be even more fruitful for you? Would you reveal that to me right now? Hmm. Yeah, even God is speaking to me right now about things in my own life. Jesus, we invite you to come with the discipline and care that only you can bring. Father, we, we open our lives to you. We're not holding anything back. We're eager for your touch. Of course, we don't want to be cut off, but absolutely, Jesus, because we are people who have been saved by you. We've been regenerated spiritually by the power of your Holy Spirit, and you've created us for this life of fruitfulness. That's exactly what we want. So would you just move in greater and greater? Show us how we can cooperate with this pruning that we may live according to the spirit that you have placed inside us. Amen.